0: Welcome to the Free Flow Football Podcast. this week's episode of the Free Flow Football Podcast, Nick and I discuss El Clasico from the midweek in the Copa del Rey and whether the novelty of it is wearing it off a bit. We also discuss the top four race in the Premier League and the title race in the Bundesliga. Hey guys and welcome back to the Free Flow Football Podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about El Clasico, the other day and talking about Barcelona Real Madrid, some of the topics surrounding them. We're also going to be talking about the Premier League top four race. Which is heating up really, 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 really quick between Spurs, Arsenal, United, and Chelsea. And then we're going to be talking about the Bundesliga later on, and whether Bayern Munich can overcome their, you know, deficit in the first portion of the season to win the title again. And I am joined by Nick Delaney as usual to discuss all of these. Nick, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, me?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints. Um, El Clasico the other day was a bit of a blowout, which was a little bit surprising. Um, the first leg in the Copa del Rey, of course, between Real Madrid and Barcelona, was one-one. Real Madrid did have the away leg or the away goal advantage, sorry. But in this match, Barcelona ran off three-nil winners. Luis Suarez getting back into form a bit with a brace, and then Rafael Varan scoring an own goal to sort of put the cherry on on the icing on the cake for for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barcelona now, with this victory, are on pace to win their fifth consecutive Copa del Rey, which is a major, major achievement. But the interesting thing is, they haven't played Real Madrid in any of those finals. I mean, Madrid have not made the final of the domestic cup in over five years now, or in five years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is becoming an issue for them, because as, as well as they've done in, in the Champions League, I mean, four of the last five, They've won, which is an incredible achievement. As great Mm -hmm. as that is, though, they have not been able to keep up with Barcelona whatsoever in Mm -hmm. uh, La Liga and Copa del Rey and domestic competition in general. I mean, what's it going to take for these guys to get back? Because, like, this is not okay. And I don't think they're going to be very happy if this continues because if the Champions Leagues dry up, you know, with Ronaldo gone, the Champions Leagues aren't, you know... Like, they don't look like they're a team good enough to win the Champions League at the moment. So... As, as much as you know, those domestic failures have been excused in the last few years because of the Champions League doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore. So what do you think it's going to take for them to get back to competing with Barcelona in Spain?
1: Well, for starters, I think it definitely takes a big superstar to compete with a player like what Barcelona has in Messi. Um, the second thing I think is... And the main thing, I think, personally, is is the structure and the culture at that club. Now, usually it's just kind of their culture is just kind of win, win, win. But I think the way, when I mean culture and structure, I mean as in how they play the game. Um, what coaches, what style of coaches they pick, what kind of style of players they want. You know, all of this, I believe, is is something that they should kind of uh, seek out in order to maintain domestic dominance which is what they want you know if i think if uh if they were to play barcelona in those champions leagues um in any time you know quarterfinals semifinals or finals i think i think i'd favor barca even in the past even though they Real Madrid won four to five and barcelona have only won one out of five it just you know this is not a surprise to me that barcelona beat them badly i mean they've been you know they've been really putting this el clasico as kind of a novice game for them they've they've won almost all of the games that i've watched them play against real madrid um some with relative ease i remember when benitez was still coaching there and and they they ended his his uh managerial tenure at Real Madrid with that Mm -hmm. four nil loss. And that was a big deal then. And it just, it seems as though Barcelona is always getting the upper hand with them lately. And um, I think, sorry, to cut you off, just one last point. I think the consistent changes in coaching is a big problem too, because one coach is telling you this, the other coach is telling you that there's no, again, there's no structure to the tactics. It's just kind of like, they let their superstars play, um, if they can do something with with the ball, they do that, and then if, if they kind of, if they start slipping a little bit, it's just, you know, throw throw the ball, cross it into the box, and hope that one of our star players can head it in. That's really what I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, they rely too much on individual talent rather than the collective, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, watching the El Clasico the other day, I, I sort of felt myself becoming uninterested, you know, and then I, I turned over to the Chelsea Spurs game, and then I saw Kieran Trippier um, open up his body like prime Terry Henry and put it past you and then I never went back to to the to the El Clasico because, I mean, I feel like the novelty of it has worn off a tiny bit ever since Ronaldo left. I mean, it's all just squad players on the park for Real Madrid now. I mean, they had Reguilon and Vinicius on that left side where – Last year they would have Marcelo and Ronaldo. I mean, for the last decade it's been Ronaldo versus Messi in this this fixture, and now you know I feel like there's just it's just lacking a little bit of something. You know, I mean, do do you agree or no?
1: Um, I get your point. I I definitely get your point. As a big La Liga fan, I disagree. Just because I always I always liked watching that game, regardless, one of my rivals gets beat. So I mean, (laughs) that's really how I look at it, but it's still a great game for me personally. um, But I can understand your point when it comes to, I think you want to see that star power. When you think El Clasico, you think big players, you think big storylines, you think big drama. Um, With Ronaldo gone, who is Real Madrid's um, successor as a star? um, I think it's been Ramos, in my opinion, as their face of the franchise, so to speak. Yeah. Um, even overshadowing their Ballon d'Or winner, Luka Modric. You know, he doesn't have that flash that Ronaldo or a Gareth Bale, if he could ever stay healthy, out of trouble with his attitude in Spain or whatever the case may be, because he's always getting benched left, right and center, even not even being injured, um, which I find a bit odd, but I think it's something to do with the locker room. But yeah. I, I I get your point. I don't agree with it. But I definitely can see a lot of people... It For nine years, it's been Ronaldo's the GOAT. No, Messi's the GOAT. No, Ronaldo's the GOAT. Yeah. No, Messi's the GOAT. It's just like it's back and forth. And they never focused on the other players yeah. who are all, you know, I mean... They're all pretty much world-class. There's some that could be some really good squad players that would start on a lot of teams, but not the top. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it just kind of... They, they they didn't have another narrative to go along with Messi versus Ronaldo. It's just now it's going back to Real Madrid versus Barcelona. And um, I, I like Benz or, and Vinicius. I think they're great players, but they're not Messi or Suarez in that matter.
0: Yeah, and uh, speaking of Suarez, we criticized him quite a bit in our last podcast. You know, wondering whether he's finished. Um, you know, wondering why he's in such poor form. And since we recorded that and released that, he has three goals uh, <laughs> in two games. So he clearly listened, and he clearly yeah. took some notes when we were mm-hmm. speaking. But
1: definitely, definitely,
0: he scored a, a gorgeous chip over the weekend, and you know, he comes into this game, massive game, and he scores a brace. Uh, You know, I'm really pleased that he's sort of gotten back into form. I think he needed it and he's a great player. As much as I don't really like him, you know, I I like to see a player like that do well. And, you know, it's nice to see him get back on the score sheet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are with you when they don't really like him. I am actually not one of those people. I really like Suarez. I, I wish he would have come to my team, really. I mean, I think of that of every great player, but him in particular, I couldn't imagine the uh, the the funnies I would get when I see Costa and him playing the front off. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Yeah. But I mean, he that Penenko was really good yeah. on that penalty, and and that first finish is just bottom left corner. He clearly was taking notes when he when he heard us talk about him. definitely the yeah. definitely oh, the main thing.
0: When I
1: yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but um, I mean it's hard to count out great players when they've only been doing bad for like eight games. So maybe we should take some notes now after getting humbled a bit by chewy, gooey, Louie. Um, And, you know, he's, he's, it's good to see him back. Um, And Barcelona definitely want to see him back because usually the narrative has been, if Messi's not doing anything and Ter Stegen isn't making every world class save, You know, they're not really – you don't think of them that they're going to win. But with him, if he's back to his best, yeah, they'll be champions of Spain. They'll win the Copa del Rey, and they'll challenge for the Champions League again. Mm -hmm.
0: So speaking of the Copa del Rey, Bart's going to go into the final now where they'll face uh, Valencia. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, you know, Valencia had a really poor start to the season where we were thinking – um, you know, this team isn't going to get anywhere close to anything good this season. You know, they're going to have to start fresh next year. Uh, they should sack Marcelino. Um, now they're in a Copa del Rey final. They're in the last 16 of the Europa League. And they've got a, you know, I would say a pretty easy draw against uh, FC Krasnodar in that round of 16.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I would, you know, I would probably put them among that B, B category favorites for Europa League. Definitely. So, I mean, like, they've improved across the season. So I think we got to give them quite a bit of credit for getting to this final.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's not easy to go past all these teams they've played. Um, they're currently ninth in La Liga and they're, I believe it is six points back of a champions league spot. Um, that's a really, really fun, uh, fourth, uh, champions league race for that, uh, for Spain as usually it is. And, uh, they're great. They're a pretty good team. Um, they have 15 draws in 25 games in La Liga, which is really the thing that's held them back. Um, and they got class players. Rodrigo is a really good player. Parejo is a, is a great player as well. And Condogvia really fits well in that squad as well. Um, I mean, they have some some rejects from the Premier League, like your boy Gabriel Paulista you I know you've always said it's been a was a really really good defender not the greatest with the ball at his feet but a definite class act as well um I think they actually have a chance in this and I I I do like Valencia I especially like their jerseys I've always liked their jerseys a lot but um I'm interested in this game you know I I I mean Barcelona's won it 4 four times in a row you said I mean Is it time to finally? Is it is it this time that they lose?
0: We'll have to tune in, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the game. It is all the way end of May, but I do think Valencia can cause some damage. Um, A player that I really love of theirs is Danny Parejo, who um, I feel has been really overrated throughout his entire career. And whenever he comes up in these big games, he he usually performs. And you know, he's he's one of those players that. I'm really surprised didn't get a move to Real Madrid, Barcelona, or Atletico Madrid during his career because he's been that good and, and he's he's such a complete player, you know. So I, I'm really excited to see you know whenever I I get to tune into to Valencia. He's somebody I already I always keep an eye on along with, um, you know, uh, Gabriel and and, um, and Francis Coquelin, who of course are players that uh, i I watched for a few years at Arsenal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, both players I liked as you know as you know personally I liked them, but their play not good enough for Arsenal, so you know what? I, when they left, I wasn't um, I wasn't too shaken. Although I do think Arsenal should have kept Gabriel over Schürrle and Mustafi, but oh well. I I see I see why they let Gabriel go. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a big fixture. It's a good fixture. Barcelona, you know, usually when they come up against teams like this, they don't normally blow them away. I mean, normally they're very like very good games, and I think Valencia will get chances. So I mean, we'll see how it goes. Definitely. Um, I just want to cor- uh, ask you, did you mean
1: underrated or overrated for Parejo? Because you did say overrated. For
0: Parejo? I meant underrated. Yeah. Whoops. You meant underrated? Okay, yeah. Yeah, just, of course. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just a little bit for it, that's all. That's no, all he's definitely not clear. overrated. Mate. He, he's never talked about, but yeah, I mean, the guy true. always performs.
1: I mean, he's always been a really good player. A really a, a, Not a flashy player. He's kind of like a, a, a cruise, I feel, where his passing is pinpoint. Um, he has very good movement of the ball. He's not a superb dribbler, but he's good enough to be in mm-hmm. the middle of the park. And, um, yeah, I'm surprised he honestly didn't go to England. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like a guy, because he's not, it's not like he's a one of those Spanish players who's not physical enough. I think he mm-hmm. is. I yeah, think he, is. he could handle the, the speed of the Premier League, and uh, I think he would do actually really well in there, but... Yeah, maybe he just likes playing. I mean, Valencia is a really big club. We've forgotten, like, they were two-time La Liga champions in the early 2000s. Plus, Mm
0: -hmm. they
1: they went to the Champions League final two times as well, losing both, mind Mm -hmm. you. But, you know, they're probably, I would say them and Bilbao are right up there for that, the fourth best Spanish team in like the history of, of the league, Real Madrid being first, Barcelona being second, Atletico Madrid being third. Mm. And I think, I think those two clubs really do, you know, kind of duke it out for that fourth spot. And um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I like Valencia, so I, I kind of hope they win They're They're always kind of the, the second team that I, I like to watch in Spain. They've always had the fun players, you know, Diego Alves. I really liked watching whenever he went up against a penalty, he would save it. And, they got some good players, and I think I think they could possibly win. I give them like maybe a twenty percent chance,
0: which is good because I mean mm-hmm. Barcelona is just so good too. Yeah, um, speaking of Barcelona and your club Atletico, I saw a rumor the other day linking uh, Saul with Barcelona. Mm. Uh, what do you think about that? I mean that that would
1: be a great buy for them. I think he would do so well at that club. Um, yeah, Saul is. Is a is a, already a world class player in my opinion, um, and he has the mindset that an alpha male and a world class player has to have as a midfielder. Um, Paul Pogba, I think, is kind of the closest thing that I can compare him to, except Paul's a bit bigger and obviously a lot more popular. Um, mm-hmm. But I think their style of play, when the coach gives Saul an instruction, if he wants him to play wing. He's going to play wing, and he's going to play as hard as he can on the wing. And he was our starting left back for like four or five games because Felipe Luis and Lucas Hernandez was out. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think Paul would ever do that. I think his mentality is just it's more self-centered than Saúl's, who is all about the team all the time, like always always doing what's best. And when he plays for Spain, he scores goals for them. He really performs for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. you saw that. Under-21 Spanish team that definitely should have won that um, tournament just because of talent, not because they got robbed, yeah. because of how much better they, they were than all those other teams. But mm-hmm. he was their star man. I mean, he scored bicycle yeah. kicks. That long that was like a 35 drill that he scored against Italy that I'll still remember. But yeah, they, they will have to pay a lot of money for him. That's all I got to say. He signed a nine-year contract like two years ago, and the release mm-hmm. clause is I think $150 million. Mm-hmm. which is i mean i love him and i think he's he's really becoming a top three player favorite for me like Godin, costan and he might honestly at, at one point be my favorite player just because of how versatile he is but mm-hmm. I, I don't know do you think that you would want to splash 150 million on a player like that when they already have arthur and Young? i think this this rumor is kind of out of out of left field i don't i don't know about yeah. it yeah
0: yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's anything to worry about. I think that's way too much money for for um, that position for them. As you said, they've got Arthur, they've got De Jong. Um, I do think um, Saul would be a perfect replacement for Ivan Rakitic. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: you know, I mean, Rakitic is, is kind of a similar player, both, you know, midfield engine, sort of, and both able to contribute in the final third, both good defensively. But, I mean, for that price, I don't think it's... Um, it's just not worth it I don't it. think it's a smart financial decision for Barcelona I yeah. mean that's the money that you would pay for a guy like Mbappe or, or, or Griezmann I mean you know that's not really a midfielder type money that's a mm-hmm. that's a forward that's yeah a, that's a money for that you pay for a forward mm-hmm.
1: right so I mean yeah I, it's it's weird. things have happened like Neymar getting paid 220 million um, yeah. like you said it's it's forward money it's not midfield money not that midfielders don't win games because I believe that their influence both defensively, offensively and controlling the game is more important than any position in the game of soccer. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think that money is well, well lies spent on, on him, even though I rate him so highly.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we can move on to the Premier league. Now Um, the top four race took a massive turn this week with uh, Spurs, who were you know, flying in third place. you know People were thinking they're going to challenge for the title. Last Around this time last week, they were sitting just five points behind Liverpool, who were first, four points behind City, who were second. And now they've lost to Burnley over the weekend, and they lost to Chelsea Ooh. on uh, Wednesday. And now Spurs are still in third place, but only four points ahead of Arsenal, who they play this coming Saturday. Um, United then are in fifth with 55 points, and Chelsea in sixth with 53 points. Spurs and Arsenal have 60 and 56, respectively. Chelsea do have a game in hand, so that could easily go up from 53 to 56. And, you know, if we say that Chelsea win that game in hand, that is a five point gap between third place and sixth place in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I mean, if this was close to, you know, the beginning or midpoint of the season, it would be, you know, exciting, but, you know, this isn't going to last. You know, these teams are going to start pulling away you know, some of them, but I mean, we're three quarters of the season, 75% through the season, and it is neck and neck with all three teams. You know, they have their strengths, all three or all four, sorry, all three, all four teams have strengths. All four have weaknesses. Um, I mean, it's really, really tough to call. Uh, As I said, I mean, like some of the weaknesses are bigger than others. Some of the strengths are bigger than others. I mean, the one that sticks out for me is I think Arsenal's strength is, being able to score goals out of nowhere because they got two top strikers, which is a huge, huge, you know, strength. Mm -hmm. But they also have a huge, huge weakness in that defense. So it's sort of like that, you know, you don't know which way it's going to go. You don't know who's going to or which side of their positive negative is going to really perform. But I mean, like if you were if you had to put money on two of these teams getting top four and the other two falling out of the top four, who would you put your money on?
1: Hmm. out of Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea, I would say it it's it's a hard one cuz they're all they all seem close especially with Spurs dropping points. But I'd have to go with I think United are the ones that I would for surely say are going to go out of the top 4. Oh really? Yeah, I think it's just you know, I think the manage, manager experience is going to that honeymoon is going to kind of phase away at one point. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... I'm going to go with, honestly, Arsenal. And, I mean, this is not a huge... Educa- like, this isn't an educated guess. Um, I think that since Chelsea has the best player out of those four in Tottenham, Arsenal, United, and Chelsea themselves, in Hazard, I think this is the time to really make or break his name and mm-hmm. to get him I, that big money move to Real Madrid or essentially a new contract at Chelsea. So that he'd bump up his wages to a ridiculous mm-hmm. amount to keep him to stay, I think that incentive will make him kind of want to stay. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just, these are just guesses. <laughs> um, don't, don't obviously take, take this money right now to bet, but I think it'll be Spurs and Chelsea who will make it in the top four.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would agree with you with Arsenal, but I do think Manchester United are, are going to get into the top four. Okay, Just because, you know, I mean, it's interesting because Sokshay is their weakness and their strength. Mm. The weakness being the one you mentioned, I mean, he's not experienced coach, and um, if, you know, the the match situation needs a big performance from the coach. Maybe uh, he has to get a substitution right at a specific point. I don't particularly trust him to make that decision correctly. Right. And I think those decisions will make a make a big difference in this title race, especially when um, these teams, I think some of them play each other. I know Arsenal play United in a couple of weeks, and obviously Arsenal-Spurs this coming weekend but, I mean, those decisions are going to make a big difference. And I think Chelsea with Sarri, Arsenal with Emery, Spurs with Pochettino have far more experience in the managerial position and far more uh, you know, success in in those positions than, than United do. But I think United's momentum, the momentum they've created from from uh, December, end of December when Solskjaer was hired till now, I think that's going to carry them on into the top four. I just, they look unstoppable right now. I mean, they haven't lost a single game in two months now, over two months. And I mean, it's going to be really difficult for anybody to stop them. I mean, their first few games were pretty simple, straightforward. Solshire had pretty simple wins. And then they went against Tottenham, who they were expected to lose to. And then Rashford scored. Uh, De Gea put in a masterclass and United won the game. And that's when people started thinking, okay, Solshire has to be taken seriously now, and this team has to be taken seriously now. I think that momentum is going to carry them to top four. The other spot, I think, is going to go to Spurs, very marginally. I, um, You know what? I think just because of the points advantage they have, they do still have a four-point advantage. I mean, if they beat Arsenal this weekend, it'll go up to seven.
1: Yeah. So I think
0: that point advantage is a little bit too big for them to completely drop out of the top four. So I do think they'll nick it. Um, they also do have... Uh, what what I think is the best coach out of the four teams that uh, we've mentioned so
1: right. I do think know. they have
0: some advantages but uh, Arsenal do have their advantages as I said, Chelsea's advantage is the one you said, they've got the best player in the league mm. um, they've also got, you know, I think out of these four teams I think um, Chelsea have a better squad than Arsenal do and I think it's pretty much on par with what Spurs and United do um, they've got a strong midfield. They finally have a, a a decent center forward in Higuain. They have an X factor in Hazard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I do think that uh, the sort of waning uh, relationship between Maurizio Sarri and his players is gonna it's gonna be it's gonna, their downfall. You know, yeah, I think that's gonna be the downfall. I mean, every time they I mean they got battered two nil by Arsenal, then four nil by Bournemouth, six nil by City, and after every single game, Maurizio Sarri went to the press conference. And blamed it on his players. Not good. I mean, I think that's a real sign that his players aren't really taking to his ideas and aren't really listening to him. Or he's not getting what he wants out of them. Because most managers would go into that situation and defend his players. And, you know, deflect the blame onto themselves. That's what we see a lot of managers do. But uh, we saw Jose Mourinho sort of deflected onto his team when he was having a tough time. Winning the dressing room in his final few months at United, yeah. I think Sari is starting to, to follow that path a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw it over the weekend. Uh, was it the weekend when the Caballero Cup final was when Kepa mm-hmm. didn't listen to him? I think that was the weekend, right?
0: Care about Cup final.
1: Yeah, was that was what I'm asking? Was that the week uh, on this last weekend?
0: Yeah, this was this past weekend with yeah. Arizabalaga's. You know. Yeah, like little... that. That
1: is a definite sign that he is not in charge. You know, yeah. Kepa a new keeper as well. He doesn't have any, um, you know, experience or uh, kind of leverage in the locker room yeah. at Chelsea. I mean, if this was Courtois, it makes a little more sense, but it's still kind of stupid. But mm-hmm. this, uh, this, this really does scream to me: sorry, you don't have this under control. Um, so, you know, I definitely I can see your points on. On how he he doesn't have the dressing room under under his wing, they don't really buy into it. But I think Hazard, um, being that just best player in the Premier League, in your opinion, I know, and I think he's a top three player in that league as well. I think Pogba, a natural talent, is up there, and De Bruyne is is up there in my opinion, um, just because of what he's done over the years. But I think I think United, you know, they are they they look. So good right now, but they still have to play City, they still have to play Arsenal, and I believe they have then they have to play Chelsea as well. Um, United play City and Chelsea at home, and they play away from home against Arsenal. They also have to play against Watford, Wolves, and Everton, who are all in that seventh, eighth, and ninth spot. Um, Two of those games would be away from home, being Everton and Wolves which are, you know, those aren't easy sides to beat for sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think Tottenham, I think Tottenham just overall as a squad, a star, as a starting 11, sorry, are just the the best out of the four that we mentioned. I think their chemistry, the way the coach uses this team is very, very, very good. Um, I think they have the best player in Kane, or sorry, like the best pure striker not the best player that was my my bad um son is a is a player that can make things happen um erickson is a great great midfielder who i think could could possibly leave for a bigger club um this this season and uh they have some really good players as defenders as well so i think overall it will be tottenham is my definite pick to be in the top four and i'm gonna go with chelsea just to just cuz I, I believe that hazard is that good they also do have a game in hand and if they were to win that game they would be ahead of united and they would be tied with arsenal f- for points so it's it's really is up in the air um and i'm just glad that this premier league is uh is super exciting later on in the season you know liverpool and man city are are the two teams that are clearly fighting for that uh that final, um, sir, for sorry for the Premier League, uh, sixty nine points to Liverpool, sixty eight to City, and then the the top four, which is big money from the Champions League, um, is separated by at the moment a seven point gap. So, interesting to say the least.
0: Yeah, and I mean top four is going to be huge, huge, huge for for all these four teams that we're discussing about top four, because Spurs have a have a stadium coming up, you know that they got to pay for and this Champions League money, you know, is huge compared to whatever they get from the FA Cup or, you know, even, you know, I mean, they're not going to win the title. So they're not going to get the money from, from that sort of league position. So qualifying for the Champions League, getting to the Champions League knockout stages is where Spurs are getting a lot of their cash. And for them to lose that right as they're, you know, moving into a new stadium, that they're, they're going to be in debt. I mean, this is huge. Um, United, it's a bit, you know, bit of a less deal because they are going to be, you know, financially secure regardless Arsenal has spent two years in Europa League now and they can't really afford their wages anymore without the money coming in. So, I mean, if they don't get Champions League for next season, they're going to have to offload a lot of players and their transfer budget's going to be just as small, as small as it has been, you know, last summer, maybe even smaller than that. And for Chelsea, transfer ban this year, at, at least, you know, without the appeal, they might appeal and it, it, it might get overturned. But as of right now, they have a transfer ban for the next calendar year. And they're in the Europa League right now, so another season there, plus no players coming in, could be absolutely devastating, not just for next season, but for the next few years in general. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it's so huge for all these teams, and it's going to be really, really tough for whoever misses out, um, just financially, and, and to be able to attract players and pay for players. But yeah, with City and Liverpool at the top, I mean, it's really, really exciting, and and um, I I'm really pleased that there's actually a title race in the Premier League this year, because The last time the league actually had a title race was 2013-14, which, um, funny enough, was actually also between Liverpool and Man City, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, those two teams, again, battling it out this year. And, I mean, it's so tough to call because Liverpool, I think you could say, have been the better team all year. They've lost less games, but they're also slowing down recently. I mean, I know they destroyed Watford 5-0 earlier this week, but before that, they were struggling to score goals whereas Man City have been sort of at a very um, steady level all season, very good, not at the level they were at last year, but still good enough to win the title. So, I mean, I mean, if you were going to pick, you know, which team is going to win, who, who, who would you go with?
1: That's a toughie. Um, I think Liverpool have proven that they are the team that can win big games um, just on a singular game basis with beating City in the Champions League last year and Consistently doing it this year. They only have one loss in this whole um, Premier League season, but City also have, in my opinion, a top three coach of all time in Pep Guardiola. Mm-hmm. They have great players. They have the most underappreciated striker of our generation in Sergio Aguero, who's still balling. Still yeah, balling. Still top four in the yeah, I mean, he will go down as one of the greats in the Premier League. It'll be a shame. If he doesn't, and uh, I don't think there's anybody in their right mind who wouldn't call him an all-time great, especially for City. Yeah. But um, I'd He's say Liverpool, yeah, for City, definitely. Like, I mean, nobody makes that kind of, um, like, those big plays. Nobody nobody scores goals like he ever yeah. did for them at a consistent basis, too, with a level-headed mind yeah. and no no real drama by, by him. Yeah,
0: it's been almost a decade now with him being there and um, being still going strong. He's top of the charts right now for scoring. He's got 18 goals. It's very tight on at, at the top of the scoring charts. So Salah is right behind him with 17. Aubameyang has got 16. Kane, 15. Mane, 14. And then there it drops to Hazard, Lacazette, Sterling with 12. So,
1: but mean, the main for... thing is he is top of the league again at yeah. scoring. And he's already scored the most important goal in Manchester City's history with that, that last goal. Um, that would have made him a legend, even if he transferred to Real Madrid for all I care about. (laughs) But, um, I think I'm going to go with Liverpool just because of how consistently good they've been this year. Um, I also really like their front three. I think if they're having a bad game, I think that front three pulls them out of the, the neck of the woods. Um, Virgil van Dijk is a top five center back in my opinion. They got uh, a goalie that they needed desperately in Allison. That was their one main weakness that I thought they had last year. Um, And Klopp already has won two Bundesligas. It has been a while since he's won a big trophy, but I think this year that they will win it. But Mm -hmm. every time you think Liverpool's going to win, they slip, no pun intended, and they fall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's so tough because they are a great team from top to bottom I mean as you said strong front three um, a very underrated midfield and Fabinho has been unbelievable in these past few months even though he started a bit slow them um, a great player Henderson playing well and then their fullbacks Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold two of the best in the world when it comes to going on the front foot and then yeah Van Dijk one of the best centre-backs in the world uh, Joe Gomez to come back soon would be fantastic for Liverpool, and then the goalkeeper, yeah, fantastic Allison. So I am gonna go with Liverpool as well, partly because I predicted predicted them before the season, and uh, I'd look good if they won because not many people thought they would. But um, you know what? The thing with City is they're they're such a they're such a complete team, and and they've won it before. You know they've been in this position before. So many of their players have won won titles. Some of them last year, some of them in previous years. And they've just got the experience. I think that's their main advantage right now.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a it's a great thing to see the Premier League have a, a really interesting title race. Um, kind of fiended to see one big title race in in a top five league. I can't remember the last time there was one. <laughs> France, there hasn't been one ever. Um, Germany, we're about to get to, so don't worry about that. Yeah. Spain. Spain actually has had some good title races over the past couple of years, but I don't know. They're just it wasn't that last last day kind of extravaganza that mm-hmm. that uh, that I imagine. And England not really as well. And Italy, forget that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, France is the one league that you'd expect PSG to run away with it. But even when Monaco won, oh I mean, yeah, that's that was right. Race. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't a title race either, though. Monaco won that comfortably.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I mean, even when you know, PSG aren't winning, it wasn't close. So I think European football needs a title race, and I think Premier League's got that in the bag this year. Mm-hmm. Along with the Bundesliga who you just mentioned, you know, it didn't look like there was going to mm-hmm. be a title race, and I think a lot of us were really pleased at that because Bayern Munich have won, um, I don't even know how many in a row, I think it's six or seven, but no. club so- one in a dozen 11 or
1: 12 I believe yeah I think that's what it was
0: yeah I mean so he's been gone for like over three years now so Um, Bayern have been dominant but this season to the first half was all Dortmund I mean they they didn't lose a game for so long Um, Paco Cather was scoring goals every game off the bench that has dried up a bit Marco Royce was scoring every game he got injured and had to miss a couple games Jaden Sancho is still playing very well, which you have to give him credit for. We've mm-hmm. had some defensive injuries with Diallo, Zagadou, and um, Akanji all missing time. Uh, you know what? It's disappointing because they've kind of given up this lead now. And Bayern Munich are four points behind now, I believe. I think,
1: actually, I believe oh, they're three points. Are three points behind them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that's nothing, you know, at this point of the season. I mean, one weekend that could flip on its head. Um, I think at one point Dortmund were nine or ten points ahead, so they have, you know, I mean, they're about to bottle it, which I really hope they don't. No, he I... don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see Bayern Munich win again. Like as much as I, I like some of their players, you know, of course Alfonso Davies, our Canadian boy, is there. Right yeah, now. definitely. Um, he is going to be in the first team squad this weekend. I hear. By the way, Ooh. but uh, I mean, you know, just it would be nice to see Dortmund finally win in, in that country to get some competition again. And also, I think it'll make a difference to Bayern Munich as well, because I think they've been stagnating a bit in the last few years because, you know, they're winning the Bundesliga, yeah, whatever. They don't have much competition in the last few years, but in the Champions League, they keep falling short. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe for them to lose one year in the Bundesliga will be that kind of, you know, kick up the back to tell them that, you know, they've got to improve, they got to get some better players in. And I think, you know, to be honest, I think the fact that Dortmund have done so well this season has changed that a bit because... No, Bayern have gone out and signed Benjamin Pavard for the summer. They're linked with um, Atleti's left-back, Lucas Hernandez, and they're linked with Timo Werner as well, and Luka Jovic. So, you know, I, I think they, it has sent a message to Bayern Munich that they've got to improve here. Yeah. Oh, my God. If they win again, I'd be furious considering the lead that
1: Dortmund has. Yeah, that would be a major disappointment. I would uh, I'd be quite mad at Dortmund. I wouldn't, um, would not be too pleased with them. I mean... Bayern Munich and Dortmund do play the derby classic would be on i think uh the 6th of oh, I believe it's April yeah April and uh it would be in Munich so that's a that's a game where I'm I'm already a little concerned of um <laughs> yeah. the riverside derby when Schalke and Dortmund play is the twenty sixth of April. Wolf- gar-
0: I know <laughs> they are, but
1: but that those kind of rivalry games definitely yeah, make it different. I mean, yeah. Schalke could have been twentieth, and I was still, still would have mentioned it. Um, yeah, uh, Wolfsburg play as well against uh, Dortmund. I don't. And Mönchengladbach in Dortmund is the last game of their season, and it's it would be in Mönchengladbach Stadium. So. Dortmund doesn't have an easy ride to uh, yeah. this um, title. As for yeah. Bayern, I, I want to see their schedule. They play Monten this weekend, which is a big game for them. They have Wolfsburg as well. Um, they are still in the the German Cup, which Dortmund are not. They play Dortmund, and, and they play, Le- and Bayern plays Leipzig away from home, and. Bayern's last game of the season is, is against Frankfurt. Yeah,
0: that's tough. That's a tough couple fixtures. Yeah,
1: so see. so both these teams have tough fixtures to play, and Bayern definitely has a lot more to worry about, considering the fact that we're assuming Dortmund is losing to Tottenham. Um, yeah. And we're thinking that maybe Bayern is probably going to go to the, the German Cup final, if they're not already there. I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it would be they're also still wide open to make it to the, to the next round of the Champions League. Yeah. Um, I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think more matches like Champions League and the German Cup um, make it more difficult for Bayern to win it, or do you think with Dortmund not playing as many games, not being as fresh, not being as focused mm-hmm. on consistently winning, do you think that hurts Dortmund?
0: Um, I think it's going to be very tough for Byron to win this title if they do progress in the Champions League. I mean, those midweek games are so grueling, and I mean, this is why it's so rare for that teams win the treble. You know, I mean, to focus on all three competitions at once is so so difficult, and the fact that Byron are still in all three is uh is difficult for them considering their squad isn't uh, you know it isn't how strong it was even three four years ago. So. Uh, I do think Dortmund have the advantage without, uh, you know, assuming that they do lose to Spurs, which I think is very, very likely after that 3 0 loss. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm still backing Dortmund to win this. But, like, I'm not sure. Because I. Like, if, if Bayern get knocked out by Liverpool, then I think I'll favor Bayern in the, in the Bundesliga. Mm. Because those midweek um. games are so grueling. If they, if they, I mean, as poor as it would be for them to lose in, in the Champions League, Um, I think that would play into their, into their hands for the Bundesliga.
1: Yeah. I I think uh, I I am with you on that. I think if it depends on this Bayern Champions League, I mean, we do know how intense and how big those, those games are for every club in the world or sorry, for every club in Europe. I mean, it's just, it's the biggest game that they play every time, a knockout stage in the Champions League. And um I mean, even with them going through to the Champions League, I don't expect them to reach the finals. And I think their squad is good enough to hang on with Dortmund. I think Dortmund will get a couple draws, maybe even a loss here. Um, and I think Bayern will – honestly, I think Bayern will lose another game as well. Um, but I, I'm going to go with Dortmund at the moment. And I hope okay. Dortmund does win it. I think they have game-changers. Um Especially if Royce is healthy, which, I mean, and God, please, please don't, yeah. please don't make him get injured yeah. again. That would be terrifying. And if he was to get injured, I think definitely I'd go with Bayern. But for the moment, as long as Royce is healthy, as long as Sancho is still balling, and as long as Paco can you know, rediscover that, especially if he can rediscover that early magic that they were getting, yeah. um, I'd favor Dortmund for sure. Yeah,
0: I'm going to agree with you. All right, so before we end this podcast, Saturday, North London Derby from Wembley Stadium. Arsenal have not won away against the top six in four years, but if they were ever going to break that streak, it is now. Um, win probability from 19minute.com says 44% chance for Spurs, 28% chance for Arsenal, and 28% chance for a draw. Um, the team's four points apart in the table in third and fourth crucial positions what's your prediction for the game
1: hmm it's a tough one cuz i usually see these these kind of games go to a draw in my opinion mm-hmm. um that is sort of where i'm leaning towards at the moment i think if one team is to win i think it would be tottenham just cuz yeah. of uh one it's at home uh two they have i think overall the better starting 11 yeah. the better coach um yeah. and they have an x factor in Harry Kane um yeah. but like you said before Lacazette and Aubameyang can make goals out of nothing um i think yeah. that's the main thing that arsenal is going to really have to rely on um and
0: they did that in the in the first first game between them as well i mean at uh, at the emirates with aubameyang you know scoring the equalizer out of basically nothing yeah. and then Lacazette scoring
1: the winner out of nothing it, so i mean it's
0: definitely something that is strong at and
1: so. if i'm not mistaken arsenal have seemed to be playing a little bit more defensive as of recently especially with their formation i think that will honestly help them in a game like this um as long as you know their center backs don't make a mistake (laughs) that's the main thing i think that their defense has to to be aware of and um you know just to play a really smart game um they don't have to have 60% possession but I don't think they can sacrifice more than 42% of that possession because I think Spurs at at one point could overwhelm overwhelm them with their quality of goal-scoring talent.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I I think I'm going to predict a draw, but um, as you said, if any team is going to win the game, it is going to be Spurs. I mean, Arsenal are awful away from home against good teams. Um, Actually, there's some interesting stats on Google. Uh, The away team has won just one of the last 16 games between Spurs and Arsenal when Arsenal won 1-0 at White Hart Lane in March 2014. So basically every home team either draws or wins the game. This will be the fifth meeting between Tottenham and Arsenal at Wembley. Spurs won two, draw one, lost one. Spurs haven't lost three consecutive Premier League games since 2012, but in that three consecutive in 2012, the third defeat did come against Arsenal. So... Um, you know we'll see how it goes uh, it is early in the morning so i think it'll be very tough for me to wake up and uh, you'll definitely just be watching the highlights yeah i
1: definitely will be no doubt
0: yeah hopefully hopefully there are some highlights for for us to to, to watch you
1: know yeah i i do actually expect it to be a, a decently good scoring game i'm thinking about 2-2 or 2-1 for spurs
0: mm-hmm. all right nick well thanks for joining me again on uh, the amazing free flow football podcast of
1: course my pleasure
0: All right, guys. Well, that was episode six, I believe, of the podcast. Um, We talked about El Clasico, Real Madrid, Barcelona, the top four race in the Premier League, um, the race for the title in the Bundesliga, and finished off discussing Arsenal versus Spurs. Um, You guys can check out our Twitter. YouTube videos are going to be up soon. Um, This podcast is going to be released on Friday, and there's going to be a video up on the same day. So right when you listen to this podcast, uh, check out the video, and the video is going to reroute to the podcast as well. And the video is going to be on Kai Havers of Byron Leverkusen. And you can check out last week's video, which was on Matteo Granduzzi. Thank you guys so much for
1: listening.